Hello, Texans, and welcome to Indianapolis for the program that usually brings you inside NRG Stadium. We are not there. We are in the Indianapolis Convention Center, and it's the NFL Scouting Combine. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We'll have John Clayton in just a moment. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, to talk about a number of things. This is going to be really interesting stuff tonight. If you're a football fan, you must listen to this program. It's required listening, John, correct? Absolutely, no doubt, and we'll get a chance to see Jeff Joniak in hopefully October, yeah, yeah, September, October. We're going to go over that with him. And also Paul hopefully. Allen, the voice of the Vikings, who talks about a number of things, including the Astros. That comes up in the conversation. Yeah, and horse racing. Believe it or not, it all comes up. But let's begin with our buddy John Clayton taking a seat next to us right now. John, I want to start right here because we've all seen the Sports Center program. Mom, I'm done with my segment. Does that come into play in your life still? Is that- oh, I can't go through the airport without somebody saying, okay, do you, where, where, where's your hair? Is it tucked in? Or what? <laughs> and I basically say, you know, it's tucked in. But, no, it's, it's constant. And, mm. and, you know, what's nice is that because of that commercial, and, you know, in 22 years at ESPN, I can't go through too many – public places without somebody taking selfies right oh I mean, it's yeah. like i never had selfies before <laughs> of course i don't know because selfies weren't there before the commercial but it's like now there's like so many selfies and so right. i still remember even going into locker room uh, like uh, you know jimmy graham uh you know wanted to take a selfie uh, back before he came up to seattle this is when he was down with new orleans and i still remember like in the steeler locker room you know different guys uh, darius hayward bay wanted to uh, get you know selfies and stuff like that it's just kind of remarkable but that commercial was go- a gold mine i loved it John, you're up in Seattle, so obviously you see the Seahawks uh, on a pretty daily basis. Now you cover the NFL, and we'll get yep. into all that. But Seahawks get to division around and lose to the Packers. What's the thought there locally about what the Seahawks are? Because in some sense, you could almost look at them and say they're kind of similar to the Texans. They've mm-hmm. got a transcendent quarterback. They now have gotten to a point where they've put some pieces around them, but maybe they still are lacking some pieces, and they get to the divisional round, but are they built to win a Super Bowl? What, what's kind of the local thought about what yeah, the, the Seahawks Yeah, the local do? thought is that uh, they're, they're a team on the rise, and they're close, but they're not there yet, and this offseason will start to define them. You know, because you know, what they ended up doing is that you know, even though Jadev and Clowney trade worked out great for them. He was sensational. But, of course, now his contract's up. He's going to be a free agent, and they can't franchise him. You know, can they keep him? And he's going to command 21 to $22 million a year. I think they're willing to go, like, about 18 or 19. But the big problem that they had, and the thing that kept them back, two things from going to the Super Bowl, because going into week 16, they were the number one seed, yeah. believe it or not. And that's even though they weren't the best team. I mean, right. they were number one seed because they won 10 close games. But then what ended up happening, you know, their pass rush, even though Clowney is a great disruptor, he's not a sack guy. Yeah. All right. So now all of a sudden they get you know 28 that. sacks when they need 40. All right. They rank 26th in yards allowed, and that's uncharacteristic of a Pete Carroll team. And because of that, you know, Pete Carroll had to design a bend-but-don't-break defense, which is something he hasn't done in the longest time. Now, if they can get the pass rush right, they'll be in good shape. Russell Wilson, who's had was an MVP-type season, you know, basically said, we need a few more stars. And they're both in agreement, both management and Russell Wilson. So the first move, they get Greg Olson. Now, I know he's an aging star, but right. he helps them out because their tight end, Will Disley's coming off an Achilles injury. And so now, if they can get the pass rush and get a defense that limits teams to 21 points, they'll get 25, 26 points again, and then they'll have a, be- a chance to be a legitimate number one seed. What killed them in the final, uh, in a 13-day period, they 
lost their top three running backs. Yeah. And it was a running team. Mm. And so now all of a sudden you're down to, uh, you know, uh, Travis Homer, who is a pretty talented young rookie, and they had to get two guys out of retirement, Robert Turbin and Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. And so the running game betrayed them in the final couple games, and so that just held them back, and they lose two home games. Had they won one of them, they would have been uh, they would have maybe the third seed. If they won both of them, then they would have been the number one seed and they would have a good chance to go to the Super Bowl. John Clayton with us on Texans Radio. So the NFC West, last two Super Bowl participants out of the NFC, out of that division, you think it's going to be a trifecta here this year? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I have to see what they do in the past. Because right. I know last year I said if they don't get a pass rush, they're going to win nine games. They're going to win nine games. Mm-hmm. Well, they ended up winning 11 in a playoff right. game. So they surprised me on that part. But if they can get that pass rush and get that right, then they have a legitimate shot to be a number one seed. But this is the best division in football right now. Mm-hmm. You know, because San Francisco, there'll be a two- to three-game drop-off from the 13 wins that they had this year because that just happens to Super Bowl teams. All right, uh, Rams, we'll still see where they are. They're still a playoff team. Team, but maybe their Super Bowl run is done because they can lose, lose enough players with the cap and free agency. Arizona's going to get better. Kyler Murray has a chance to not make the jump that Lamar Jackson had, but he has a chance to make a big jump at quarterback. So now you're talking about you know four teams that have quarterbacks, four teams that have good coaches, four teams in that division that can challenge you. And if Arizona can get some defensive help, then all of a sudden you're talking about, uh, you know, that, that division is going to be tough. You don't want to play them. Right. Yeah, th- no doubt. And luckily we don't match up with them for another couple of years. And when I say we, I say the AFC South. John, what's the thoughts about the AFC South? Because we've talked to a few people that say, hey, man, AFC South, you got Titans going to the AFC Championship game, got Texans with Deshaun and what they were able to do in the division. The Colts, you know, are probably going to take a, a step ahead if they get the quarterback right. And Jacksonville, you uh, kind of never know with them, but, you know, two years ago, they're in the AFC Championship game, and they're probably a bad call away from maybe going mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl. What's the thought about the AFC South? Yeah, I think right now it's a three-way race uh, with Jacksonville being on the outside looking in because you can see that you know, they didn't make a change at coach with Doug Marone. Not that they should. They probably shouldn't have. But, you know, they've, they've dropped off. I mean, you know, remember two years ago, they were talking about a team that had eight Pro Bowl guys on their yeah. defense. Eight. Yeah. Eight. And wow. now all of a sudden they're down to like three or four. Yeah. I mean, they traded away Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, have Telvin Smith retire. You know, out goes Marcel Darius. You know, Calais Campbell's still one of the better defensive ends, but he's getting older. And so their defense is not the same. Still good, but not the same. And so, uh, and then on offense, I mean, they had to rely on Gardner Minshew to bail them out. But how good is Gar- Gardner Minshew going to be? He's exciting. He's fun and all that stuff. So they've got more issues than any team in the division. But then, I mean, you look at Houston and as as you know, Deshaun Watson, I think, is now considered that next wave of the great quarterbacks. I mean, he's you, know, you look at the AFC, and the three young quarterbacks are now taking over for the three older quarterbacks. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, Patrick Mahomes being number one, Watson probably being number two, and then Lamar Jackson having the MVP season. And so that's all changed. And then you look at Tennessee, well, they've got a lot of issues right now to figure out. I mean, yesterday... On Tuesday, listening to uh, you know the general manager John Robinson, you know you, you didn't get the idea that it's a guarantee that Tannehill is going to be back, right? And to keep Derek uh, Derek Harvey, you know they very may, may or Derek Henry, they may have to go and put the franchise tag, and he may hold out. So they have a lot of issues to figure out. But that's a well-coached team with Mike Vrabel. You know if they can get Tannehill back, he seems to be the perfect quarterback for what they want to do. But, again, you know, there are two keys on offense. Right now, their contracts are up. 
John Clayton with us. What about the quarterback situation around the league, really? Because in the AFC South, we have two teams with quarterback question marks, the Colts and the Titans and maybe the Jags as well. And then you look at what could happen in New England. We already know Rivers is in play. What do you think happens here with some of these dominoes? I mean, you can't figure out where all of them are going to go because, I mean, there's so many many openings, and we're seeing the biggest transition in quarterbacks probably we've ever seen because now – there's a realization that uh, what's coming out of college is mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And right now, defense, defensive coaches haven't figured out what to do to stop mobile quarterbacks. And so because of that, you know, now the older quarterbacks, the non-mobile quarterbacks, they're all getting phased out. And so, uh, you know, how that transition is going to go. So, like, for example, you know, the big one obviously is Tom Brady. And I think what we are now kind of getting the idea is that you still figure that Brady's going to stay there, but it's going to go down to the last day. You know, you get down to that legal tampering time from the 16th through the 18th. You know, then you know, they got to see if he's going to stay or if he's going to go. And that starts the ripple effect. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't appear that he's going to go to the Chargers because it looks like the Chargers are going to take the tack of going with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback and then, you know, drafting, you know, just Justin Herbert or a quarterback and developing him. So that seems to be there. You know, now we see that Cam Newton is probably going to stay in Carolina, which might be a little bit of a surprise. No idea about Jameis Winston. If Brady does go someplace, which Vegas is probably going to be the one place he might go to uh, the most if he doesn't go to New England, then you know, then you can see, okay, where does Derek Carr go? Does he go to Chicago at a trade, or where does that happen? I mean, And then Marcus Mariota would be a candidate for New England, because I know Josh McDaniels likes him, or Andy Dalton could go there in a trade. But there's some much movement right now that you can't and the musical chairs is such that a couple of these guys aren't going to get starting jobs. Doug Clayton with us at the scouting combine in Indianapolis. All right a a couple of other things for you. You've been covering this combine for a long time. 31 years. So you've seen the changes and we talked to McLean a lot as well. So your perspective on what you're seeing this year I mean this is bigger than ever they're going prime time more changes here. Yeah I mean it's just so different I mean because I mean this is now going to be the shortest one that I've ever been to because Normally, I would say it used to be till Monday because on Monday, that was always one of the best days because, you know, you only had the defensive backs working out, the GMs and coaches and all that. They were popping out more, and you had a chance to catch up with them. You got a lot of work done on Monday. Well, that kind of changed a little bit, and so then uh, they started leaving on Saturday. Well, now I'm leaving on Thursday because, I mean, we have one day basically with the coaches and general managers. You know, Mm -hmm. you have the interviews with the players and all that stuff, but then, you know, once you get to Thursday night, I mean, you're watching on TV. Yeah. Well, you can do yeah. that at home as opposed to paying you know, $300 a night for a room. <laughs> yeah. and so it's like, okay, I think I'll fly home on this one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's different. But, again, you're right how big it is because, uh, you know, I predated McLean as far as – because I went to 1990, and we're, we're over at the Holiday Inn, and, right. you know, we're sitting by the elevator watching coaches getting – or scouts getting in fights with each other to try to get the guys into their rooms for interviews. <laughs> and so wow. we're watching these fist fights and all these different <laughs> things, you know, tug-of-wars and all that. And, of course, then they started closing everything off once they realized. And we only had, like, nine writers in 1990 that were oh. there. Nine. And so then the next thing you know, we were on. We had to go into the uh, Holiday Inn bar where they'd bring players in for interviews. And uh, the next thing you know, it's like, okay, Duke Babb didn't like us media guys. And so he basically put us in the lobby. Uh, he turned off the heat. He took away all the chairs <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, now, you know, now we have uh, lunches. We have media row. Yep. You know, we have podiums. I mean, think about this. I mean, you know. If the the best player, I mean, Junior Seau had to come into uh, the 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 bar area just for an interview with the nine people that were there, or we caught him uh, over by the elevator. 
Oh, my god! What a difference that is. Junior and now we got the convention center where we've got more room than we probably know what to do with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how this thing has grown. John, one more for you. Yeah. Radio, how do you like doing it on a daily basis? Oh, I love it. It's yeah. fantastic. You know, it's funny because, you know, it's always the writer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it started when I was 17, uh, covering the Steelers, writing and all that stuff. But radio was always the part. And, of course, if you were a newspaper guy back then, they always hated you because it's like, uh, you know, fortunately I was a newspaper guy, so they kind of liked me. But they didn't like the radio guys back then. Yeah, okay. And so it's like because we want control. We were in the newspaper <laughs> business and all that stuff. But I always loved doing radio. And so, like, I did it all through college. I mean, I had, like, 16 radio jobs all through college was doing ap radio when i was uh, 19 years old and all that stuff what college uh duquesne university okay. in pittsburgh and so then uh you know uh back after a while in in pittsburgh they wouldn't let me do radio so i ended up going to, to uh, tacoma news tribune where i started to be able to do radio but i love it i mean it's like you know having the ability and that's the great part because you know having done the radio that at least allowed me with not the best looks in the world to be able to do tv because now it's like okay fine i can get everything done in 45 seconds or less and get a lot of information and talk right. fast so it's like no i love it and of course i love filling in on sirius yeah. i'm moving the chains and all the shows there mm-hmm. it's an absolute blast i love taking phone calls i i guess the one thing i even love more than anything is interviewing just having a chance to interview ask the questions because i i don't know how you do it but it's like the way i do it i go into any every interview I have no idea what my first question is going to be. Absolutely no clue. I didn't for this I no, one. It's like, it's like, I have no idea. It's like, I, 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 but then what you do is that you listen. Yeah. You listen to what the person yeah. says, and then you react to that. An actual and, conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, what drives you crazy is it has some people that say, you know, it's like, I, I, uh, I remember I was talking to Marquise Goodwin, and uh-huh. he was saying, well, you know, I had so many problems with my family and that the year before. Uh, it, it really affected me. You know, I somehow was able to get through in the second half of the season. And, of course, then the next question is, so what do you think about the 49er offense? It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's like, <laughs> so what happened to you in that previous yeah. year? Yeah. And then you get the great story. Yeah. But if you, if you don't listen, you don't get the story. This is great stuff. This is class with John Clay. <laughs> Absolutely. I love this. You definitely put on a class, correct? I mean, you yeah. teach at UW, right? Uh, I mean, no, I don't. No. Awesome. Hey, it was funny. I did an online, you should. No, I did an online class for Duquesne University right. on Skype for about three, four years. Oh, cool. How was that? The was Dukes? Great. Well, you yeah. were truly the professor at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't even have to get a, 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 a master's degree. It was even better than that. <laughs> John, thanks working. a lot for joining us. Thanks. All right. There's our buddy John Clayton from ESPN 710 in Seattle, where Paul Gallant, our other buddy, well, we have more buddies than just those two, where he works as well. Coming up, it's Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears. John and I are also going to talk about the Texans news of the week. Tim Kelly, how's it all going to work? We'll discuss that, among other things, next on Texans Radio. Keeping it going here from Indianapolis, the NFL Scouting Combine. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And, Johnny, it's my personal preference to not bench press today, which is a line we've heard a lot today. You tweeted that one out because why are these guys not benching here? I Listen, I... I don't know. It bu- <laughs> it bugs me to no end. And by the way, we're a few feet away from the bench press arena, for lack of a better way of putting it, and they bring all the position groups in here, and so far it hasn't exactly been a, a plethora of participation. Right. And what I don't understand is it's the receivers. <laughs> I mean, people care, but they don't really. Look, if it's linebackers and you're doing 9, 10 reps, okay, that's one thing. I guarantee you the guys that passed for personal preference to wait for their pro day. Now, say a guy like T. Higgins. Maybe I can go with a guy like T. Higgins because 
that's a that was a long season that went into the middle of January, so he hasn't had a whole heck of a lot of time to prepare. But he also declared early, so right. he should have known this is going to happen. Now, that all said, I just think there are some guys at this combine. And I said this earlier to uh, Ron and to Clint on Clint's show earlier today on 610. I think this whole combine change that created some – consternation amongst the agents and maybe the players as a result. I think some players are sort of hiding behind that. Oh, no, I'm just going to wait till my pro day. This is probably the year we've seen it more often than not, right. that being the case. Like, all right, we're going to let you try on that whole combine thing for size, so to speak. And the next year, we'll coach our guys up on how to do it and how to master it, et cetera. Yeah. And I think, but I think the players are sort of taking that to the extreme. And it's receivers, benching, I mean, come on, man. It is an absolute joke. Just go up there, and if you can do seven reps, do seven reps. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. Hey, I'll give you one thing that could prevent the combine from being moved. If fewer guys work out, period. Right. And it just becomes the physicals and the interviews and being able to gather everybody here for this NFL convention, if you will. That'll take away from the glam of moving it to an L.A. because there will be nothing for the fans to see. Right. Right? Absolutely. At that point. All right, quick note. I promised this, and it was the big news yesterday, but we've had – over 24 hours to digest and think about it. It is exciting news with the Texans that Bill O'Brien and the coaching staff adjustments, if you will. I was talking to T.J. Yates, actually, in the hallway. Congratulated him. Assistant quarterbacks coach Tim Kelly will coach the quarterbacks and be the offensive coordinator and call plays. All of a sudden, he's got a ton on his plate Yeah, like that. Yeah, he does, but I, I, I like it. I like it for Deshaun. I like it for Tim Kelly. I like it for T.J., obviously. I just think, you know, last year you had Bill O'Brien who was calling offensive plays, and there was times where he had to have Deshaun's ear. Tim Kelly's offensive coordinator, he had to have Deshaun's ear. Uh, Carl Smith was quarterback's coach, he had Deshaun's ear. I mean, you had a, a lot of people in Deshaun's ear, and you and I are similar in that way. Like, I, I, I'm in your ear during a game, <laughs> and I think sometimes that's too much. But it's like just I, I just need one person talking to me just just one if I can focus on one person talking to me and not have that many people in my ears now Deshaun's a little different Deshaun you know can he could take all that information and go on the field and do great things but I just think it helps him to be able to have it all funneled through Tim's voice and he and Tim can then put it together on the field get the plan together off the field and then hopefully this marriage ends up being uh the, the right one and a good one and I think I think it's great news it doesn't mean that, that Bill O'Brien won't have input on the offense. I mean, the guy knows offensive football. Come on. He knows offensive football. He is going to help. But I think having one voice in Tim Kelly with Deshaun, I think that is going to – maybe that streamlining process will help everybody involved uh, in the process. And the offense can get to a point where it's one of the tops in the league. And you're going to have to have it because you're going to face some tough defenses. We'll no see how tough the – Bears are going to be as the Texans take on the NFC North and the Bears and the Lions on the road. And sitting down with us right now, Jeff Joniak, the voice of the Chicago Bears here in Indianapolis. Jeff, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Mark. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, this is a rite of passage every combine, right? <laughs> you know, certain guys, John Miller of the, of the Buffalo Bills, yeah. Mike Keith of the Titans. Yep. You, uh, Dan Horde from the Bengals, it's always good to see you guys. It's, That's uh, right. Dan is here. Yeah, Dan is here. We just we just broke it down. He's trying to send me Andy Dalton already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, it's interesting from my perspective 
because obviously I've known Mark for a long time, but it's funny because when you actually meet the people that you listen to all the time, you, Jeff, were talking to somebody kind of behind us a little while ago, and I was like, oh, I know that voice. What is, <laughs> what is that voice? And then you turn a corner and you said hello to Mark, and I was like, that's Jeff Joni. Yeah, it's just getting nice. to know the faces that go with the voices um, that we've known for so long. Right, and usually the faces are very disappointing. Well, you faces know, very, for radio. Very, very I mean, disappointing. Better off heard and not seen. You know, <laughs> thought you I were say. a lot taller than you were. But, yeah, you know, that's uh, the byproduct of being in it for as long as we have been. You know, once you get, once you get to 10, mm-hmm. and then this will be my 20th. Right. 2020 wow. will be my 20th. It's just a remarkable. So you started luck. in '01. Yeah. Okay. I actually You're... started in '97 as a pre and post guy. Okay. And then yeah, '01 was. Who my was first. doing it then? Play by play. Wayne was doing it. Oh, Wayne Larry. There, right, right. there was somebody in between. Okay. So Wayne. Do you know who it was? Wait, who was that? No one can ever guess. I can win a lot of money in speaking. Is it somebody we know? Or you have heard of? You're going to tell me, and I'm going to know. I mean, I'm going to remember. For two years, it was Gary Bender. Gary Bender. Oh, I read wow. his book. He wrote a book called Call of the Game. Correct. And yes. I read it. He's from Kansas City or something. Yeah, St. Kansas, Louis. Kansas. All yeah. right. So yeah, yeah. I used to do the Rams and uh, yeah. came over to the Bears after Wayne went to the Packers, and then I took over for Gary. Wayne is one of the guys who's done multiple teams. Yeah. Uh, there are too many. Howard David. Wow. Did yeah, the Jets, Jets and the Dolphins. Uh, that. Yeah. Wayne did Kansas City also. He did the Chiefs yes. also. But right? that's not that's right. Not, yes, Wait a second, not, though. It's not fair, that. is it? No, but Kansas City and the Packers are fine. He did the Bears yeah. and yeah. the Packers. That's like me saying, how I'm going to do this? the Colts now. Yeah. I'm going to do the Titans Yeah, right, now. right. No. But how about this? Yeah. How about this? Because you do, you go into this business, do you ever think you're going to call a Super Bowl? Like, you're, oh, my God, I'm going to get lucky enough to call an NFL game. Let alone. So right. Wayne's first year was 85. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah, and, but right? he's a Packer fan oh. by... By, by heritage, birth. right? Yeah. So he ends up with the Packers. His child. I get that. You ultimately yeah, yeah. <laughs> end up with that team. But geez, he's done it all. He's he, great. He really so is. I'm going to ask you that question. Yeah. What is it like to call Super Bowl? Because you have done. Oh that. yeah. I mean, it was the busiest week of my career because you know we're multitasking and it's now multitasking on steroids. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and now back then it was just starting to be that way. So. By the time Super Bowl Sunday rolled around, I was wiped out. Yeah. I was yeah. tired. I was nervous. I was very nervous. We had to get to the stadium. I remember they put us on because we had a Bears TV show that morning, but you had to get there really early just to get through security. That's and right. So we're sitting there waiting for a nighttime kickoff. After And you know, what are you doing all day? You're yeah. just burning time, and you're tired, and you're trying to. But um, I remember we I night before the Super Bowl, Mike Brown, who was not healthy, he tore his Achilles in the Arizona comeback win that year. Night before the Super Bowl, I'm I'm just ready to go out and have a dinner and relax. He goes, "We're gonna talk. Bring your recorder. I got something to say." And oh wow! Like well, what's cow. gonna go on here? So we go out by the pool at the hotel in Miami, and he's bawling. I can't believe he's not gonna be able to play. Just what it means that he's missing this, what the fans mean, what the game means to him. And it was so emotional. It got me so fired up. So we played that. That was the first thing we opened our broadcast with. Oh, cool. Our mega three-and-a-half-hour coverage. And there wasn't a dry eye in the booth. I mean, oh, we're talking man. about seven-time consecutive Pro Bowler. Jay Hilgenberg was in the booth. Jim Schwantz, who won a Super Bowl. Right. Played for the Cowboys and Niners. Played for the Bears. Tom. I mean, we were jacked up. We still had, you know, four hours to go before kickoff. <laughs> And then uh, I never, ever, 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 even though he tore it up in his rookie year 
and he became Mr. Ridiculous. I never considered the opening kickoff would be returned for a touchdown. I yeah. just wanted mm-hmm. to get light bulbs flashing, you know, settle into the broadcast, yep. take a deep breath. Right. You're calling the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and, the and first he makes play. the patented one cut. I'm like, oh, honestly, I, when I tell this story, not that you asked, but half my brain was thinking, oh, my God, he's going to score. You can't, <laughs> you can't blow this. And the other half right. is calling the play. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Honestly, it was yeah, in yeah. slow motion. Right. I'm like, I just can't. That's such a play-by-play thing. Never happened before or since, and it may never happen again. It's so funny with play-by-play because people ask me, and I know they ask you, but every play could turn out to be the greatest play you've ever seen, right? So first and 10 at your 42-yard line could turn into, oh, my gosh, especially with guys like Deshaun Watson. So that, I, I can totally relate to something like that where, wow, I've got this incredible moment right here. It's the Super Bowl. I'd be on pins and needles anyway. And the right. first play, you have to deliver in that fashion. have to. And you know what? I didn't listen to the call for a year. I was afraid. I was afraid I blew it. I was afraid. So uh, how do you feel it, now? It's fine. Good. I mean, it, so you know, they, played you? It, they played it in the stadium when they were introducing the top 100 guys at the Super Bowl yeah, in Miami. Beautiful. And uh, all I heard was, the part of the call See, that Devin Hester you already and, and I literally where did that started choking. Had up. you said that? Had you ever said that before? Saint, or was that just it was like a St. Louis Ram game? Out. It was St. Louis Ram game. Yeah, I, it was a second return in the game for a touchdown, and I, I, I can still see it in my mind's eye. I started giggling before because <laughs> there was so much space. I'm like, in my mind, he's going to do it again, yeah. and so yeah. I, I just couldn't believe they kept kicking to him. And I, <laughs> yeah. so I do say that word a lot. Yeah. I say insane and ridiculous. A lot yeah. of my daily conversation, usually with an yeah. inappropriate word attached to it. Sure. So when he said, I just, it just blurted out, and I didn't think anything of it. And yeah. after the game, because right right after the play, the, the, the TV monitor, I glanced up, and I said, Lovey Smith's jaw just literally dropped. Yeah. Because he did. He was like, and that's, the, that's how everyone felt. Mm-hmm. Oh, he keeps on doing it. Yeah. And yep. then he does it in the Super Bowl. But um, – I come out to the team bus in St. Louis, and Mike Mulligan, who was writing for, uh, the, I think it was the Tribune of Times, I don't remember now, but uh, he's a big talk show host in Chicago now with the score, and he goes, hey, yeah, your call, your call, everybody's talking about it. I go, what do you mean? I, I didn't think anything of it. It oh, took wow. off. I, I mean, you just don't understand why things like that take off. Yeah. But Devin, Devin loves it. I see he was at Soldier Field for the Kansas City game this past season and took a picture with his whole family. I mean, we're tethered. It's weird. It, yeah. It's just a weird convergence of being fortunate. Right place, right time for a great player. Yeah. And it's one of the great things about this business to be part of a moment like that. Yeah. And you didn't win the game, you know? Correct. I mean, thought that's, we were going to. No, well, I know, but at least you have that. Exactly. And the fans have that. And Johnny was asking what it's like to call a Super Bowl. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, with us. And at least you got there. And, you know, we'd love to get there and obviously win it. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Houston Texans, who are going to be at Soldier Field this year. And it's only the third ever visit for the Texans to your stadium. And they've both been bad weather games, the, both visits previously. One was around zero to three degrees in 2004. Where you that, can't even feel your mouth when you're trying to enunciate the well, play. We talk about, I mean, that, we talk about that one all the time. Yeah, because it, um, I remember. It was brutal. Yeah. My pen was freezing. The water was freezing. I had to do push-ups during the breaks. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> but it was fun. And that's, I think that's the first time we ever met. 
And then in 12, we're back, and it's raining and horrible. And Sunday night game. Both teams were doing really well that year, but yeah, it was so a low-scoring 2020, battle. it would probably be like a tornadic activity. And, you know. <laughs> Please put it in, like, October. Not yeah. September, because then we all have lightning delay possibilities. Just yeah. put it, like, in hey, October. October, we had a game against the Ravens. The game was was, was uh, delayed for a couple of hours because there was a tornado in the area. Oh. They cleared out the stadium. I, I had to shift. You know, we're an all-news station mm-hmm. at WBBM in Chicago, so I, I became a meteorologist and a newsman at that point because we, we are sending it to reporters. That's a, I'll never forget that game. Yeah, against oh, Baltimore. Geez. So, yeah. Hey, oh, my gosh. You know, be prepared for anything, Mark. Yes. Well, you guys at least have a roof over your head. I'm down right underneath everything. <laughs> and so, I mean, I look, I look forward to all that. Jeff, let's talk a little bit about the Bears in 2020. And I know you get this question all the time. We were asked it for probably three straight years. What are you doing about the quarterback? We never really had an answer. You guys have somebody in place, somebody you drafted in 2017. What's the thought about Mitchell going into 2020? I know Ryan said, Ryan Pace, your GM said, yeah, he's our guy. But what do you anticipate happening with that position going forward? Well, you know, it's a, it's a huge year for him. It's a huge year for him. It's year four, his third year in the system. Um, he didn't have a ton of college experience, and I think that sometimes gets lost in this conversation because he's the number two pick and they traded up a spot to get him. There's high expectations from those who analyze these things, and the critics are out. I mean, they, they're, they're in Chicago, when you're the quarterback, you got to have the thickest skin yep. in America. I mean, mm-hmm. it's every day. It's every day of the offseason. There's front page, back page stories about Mitchell Trubisky and what's going to happen next to the quarterback position. Uh, but the Bears do believe in him genuinely. Ryan Pace yesterday spoke at length, asked, quizzed many times about it. But there likely will be some form of competition. Uh, whether they dip into free agency or they go back in the draft, they do not have a first-round pick uh, to, to you know make that position what it has to be, and that is a very productive, most important position in sports. So... I think uh, there was regression last year, but, you know, a lot of quarterbacks would have struggled last year, too. Yeah. The, the things that make a quarterback feel comfortable all were missing. Everything mm-hmm. was missing offensively. There was no effective running game. The tight end position produced very, very little, and it is a big piece of that particular offensive scheme, the move tight end. Uh, looking for what you know Matt Nagy calls multipliers and Ryan Pace calls multipliers those guys were missing uh Allen Robinson had a terrific year uh but all around the whole offense things went in a different direction so the quarterback uh, really took a lot of the blame for it but it was a complete breakdown really all right Jeff thanks a lot for the time we Thank appreciate you guys. it looking forward to seeing you in Chi-Town. Jeff Joniak voice of the Chicago Bears and Johnny I just love those stories about the Super Bowl you know I love play-by-play stories too of course. that was a pretty good one right well there. you know how I feel about it I'd love to listen to you guys talk about just stories uh, about the Super Bowl, but I mean, it's uh, you know it's such a famous line, David Hester, you are ridiculous. I mean, it's <laughs> such a great line. Yeah. I loved it, and you know, to know the background uh, behind that, I think it, it's really cool. So I'm glad he sat down with us. That was awesome, excellent, also awesome. Paul Allen, who hosts a show in Minneapolis, does the Vikings play-by-play, and I know we're going heavy NFC North today, but it's all stuff that we're kind of spreading around the whole league, and he's going to weigh in on the Astros situation as well. My gosh, that comes up in the conversation. So let's hear from Paul Allen, among other things, next as Texans Radio continues from the NFL Scouting Combine.
It's our second full day here in Indianapolis. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on Texans Radio. And they started to let the fans in. Not a whole lot to see, like we said earlier, so far because of the bench press thing and some guys not wanting to bench. But we do see one Cleveland Browns fan here with a jersey that has every quarterback's name on it since they came back into the league in 1999, starting with Tim Couch. And I just saw on Twitter a little while ago he walked up with that jersey to have Brady Quinn sign Brady Quinn's name. <laughs> did he sign it? Good for yeah. Brady, yeah. who's a member of the good. media now. Yeah. But, you know, it, it brings up a point here, and just a quick point, that the Texans have a quarterback. This cannot ever be taken for granted right. that you have one of the very best quarterbacks in the National Football League, and he's entering year four. With all these you know, people that we've talked with, hey, what's your quarterback situation? How happy are you with your quarterback situation? Meanwhile, we sit in Houston and go, Pretty happy with ours. Yeah. Really, really happy with ours. I think the Vikings are happy with theirs after the postseason. Yes and no. Yeah, Kirk had a good year. Yeah, Kirk had a good year. And uh, sitting down right now with us here on Radio Row at the Combine is Paul Allen. And, Paul, you know, when the Vikings visit the Texans, all three head coaches in Texans history will be in the same building. You have Bill O'Brien, of course. You have Gary Kubiak and Dom Capers, who are both on the staff with the Vikings. That's pretty amazing stuff. You know, I certainly, you know, you know more about it than me, Mark, uh, with, uh, with with Gary as as head coach of the Texans and then the time Dom spent there. Uh, but the, the year and change we've had now with Gary uh, has been very polarizing. He, he was, I described him last year as the amplification coordinator because he was kind of the right-hand man of the offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, who became Cleveland Browns head coach. So now Gary is the offensive coordinator. His son, Clint, is the quarterback's coach. And, um, you know, the the metamorphosis of the offense from what we've seen, and and really in my 18 years of calling Vikings games, I had never seen the zone running scheme and and, and the bootlegs and all the naked boots and everything that plays off of it. And uh, the offense, quite honestly, mostly last year, was the best we had seen since 2009 when we went to the NFC title game. And, And Gary had a lot to do with that. Paul, Very this cool. offense with Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook has a tremendous year. Don't know, but you know, there's been some uh, noise about Stephon Diggs. Right. Where do you think this offense is with Gary leading it going into Kirk's third year with Minnesota? You know, it's um, it's a fantastic question because here from Indianapolis, you know, granted the kids cultivating and shaping the future with the rookies and the drills and everything leading up to the draft. You know that that's when people think combine. They mostly think that where in reality, a lot of sneaky backroom conversations are transpiring about what will tra- what will happen with the franchise tag, which is coming up and free agency and everything. And that's massive for us. I mean, the uh, the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, is heading into the final year of a guaranteed deal. It's a thirty one million dollar cap hit. That's not going to work. So they're you know, they either let that happen and let it play out or they restructure and find salary cap money. We um, we're in a really, really bad cap situation. Uh, They were 12 over the cap until Everson Griffin uh, declared he'd be a free agent. So now we're close to even Uh, with Dalvin cook. He's heading into the final year of his contract. Uh, He was a second round pick. So you don't have that fifth year option. Now, you know, does it behoove Dalvin to come to all of the off season workouts, you know, given how perplexing his financial situation is. That's something worth monitoring. Diggs, um, Diggs 
had a very we had a very very weird moment with Diggs when the team was two and two. Uh, he did not show up for a practice, made it abundantly clear that he was unhappy, and then he came back and he, and he played hard and he's a very good receiver. But question is, how much does he want to be here? You know, um, tight end Irv Smith Jr., the rookie from Alabama, youngest player in the league last year, showed flashes, got better at the end of the year, uh, very raw, very inexperienced. Uh, They'll count on him a lot this year. And it's just very fluid right now, man, not only with the offense but the whole thing. But, I mean, you know, having somebody like Gary Kubiak to stabilize stuff like that is only going to help. The question is, what's the personnel going to look like, man? I just – this is – this is the meatiest, strangest Vikings offseason uh, that I can remember in, in since I've worked with the team. Paul, you've called some amazing games. I mean, I don't know that the Minneapolis miracle will be topped from just a game perspective and how it ended, but where does the wild card game rank when you say, you know, bonjour, New Orleans, or San Francisco, how right. you said it so brilliantly? Where does that game rank in the games you've called? Um, it was cool. I mean, you know, the, the Minneapolis Miracle game was super strange in that we were kicking the bleep out of them yeah. at halftime 17-0, yeah. and there was zero chance we were going to lose. Breeze and Peyton win no huddle, 25 consecutive plays in the second half, and then we couldn't win. And then there was a block punt, and oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I said to the analyst into into the final drive, Pete, we, we need a Minneapolis Miracle to win this game, and then we got one. Uh, the 2009 NFC title game in New Orleans uh, I never, ever professionally will forget um, the the Brett Favre game where we lost to 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 the Saints, the Bounty Gate thing. But mm-hmm. the wild card game was cool, man. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I liked the fact that Kirk was able to silence a lot of people who were all over him. Yeah. Uh, with he, it was just it was Kubiak, Stefanski, and Cousins being elite football minds late when Patrick Robinson, uh, the former Saint Eagle, now Saint, had not played the entire game. And he had to come in for one play. And they recognized it. They went at him deep with Thielen because Robinson wasn't he hadn't played in the game. And they got a big hit down inside the five. Then they won it. So just the minutia and stuff like that really stimulates me. Yeah. That was probably my highlight from the game. Yeah. Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings. Rock with and us. roll, baby. All right, a couple of more for you. As the voice of a team, some of those moments you mentioned the NFC title game 09 season, mm-hmm. that – the one, I, I think it was 03, where you lost to the Cardinals, last yeah. game of the regular season, yeah. and you had the famous no Jake call. McCown, Nathan yeah. Poole. <laughs> yeah, that, I had a yeah. hot key when I was doing a talk show yeah. of that no yeah. because it was so it was so outstanding, yeah. and I say outstanding from an announcer standpoint. Well, it, le- it led to the mo- one of the most tenuous off-seasons. I mean, it's, this is my first play-by-play job at any level, so, right. hey, I'm emotional now, yeah. you know, but I was, I was emotional and unbelievably <laughs> inexperienced and raw then, um, but it was a tenuous offseason because the owner of the team red mccombs hated that call and i don't think he liked it i, I just he, but he thought how could he up. hate that call that call but was, it was weird man it was 10 it was weird it was it was uh led zeppelin good times bad times because yeah. it's like now it's like people around the nfl were calling me and like talking like you and that was unbelievable yeah. and we love it and it wasn't insulting you, you were know, feeling no. the pain of well, everybody I think, I think mccombs was upset we got bounced the way we did um and yeah. i just you know my my intel was that he didn't really like it so i'm new i was super new to the game yeah. man and Kind of had to sweat the entire right. offseason as to whether I was going to be the announcer in 2004. Wow. And 
here we are in uh, 2020, and I'm still doing it. All right, one more for you because people roll, might baby. not know that you ho- – people in Houston might not know that you host an enormously popular sports talk show and Aww. talk about all sports, mm-hmm. right? So well, – you, you want to break down wild hockey or – No, what, what <laughs> are they talk saying? about Robert Covington from the Wolves and with we those might rockets? Du- we might duck as you say this, but what are they saying about the Astros? What have you been talking oh, about regarding no, the Astros on your program? Well, it, it, that is not for me. Um, you know, it's – to, to create a sports monopoly mm-hmm. in a regional market that is a habit state like the Twin Cities, the local sports are first and foremost. Right. So, of course, the Astros situation will get play mm-hmm. um, and wondering, you know, why the commissioner did what he did. But I'm not like over the top guy wagging my finger and being like, you know, A, B, C, D, and E had to happen, and it's a sham that it didn't. Um, you know, I haven't talked to any Twins players or Rocco Baldelli yet about it on my radio show. So I have a tendency to to leave it to them to formulate the big opinion as opposed to me being a loudmouth radio guy throwing tomato cans from the upper deck. <laughs> okay. Well, you know? well said. So, I mean, it, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's it's obvious, man. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's a shame. You know, the penalties probably should be more harsh. I mean, do, do I lose sleep over it? No. All and right. how many times can you say those words? You say them once, it's like, you know my feelings on it. You don't have to keep rehashing it. Yeah. but in Houston, I'm just curious. Like, like Altuve got brushed back in a spring tra- training game. I saw that online. And yeah. just curious to see how this whole thing works out, man. I, You know, with, with, with Bellinger and Trout and some of those people speaking out the way they have, I like that. I mean, because th- those are those in the battle impacted by what happened, and their opinion matters more than mine. So, you know, that's pretty much uh, the end of it for me. Paul, we really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Hey, man, and I really appreciate what you do. I mean, not only, Mark, are you a fantastic play-by-play guy, but like me, you do you do a radio show on, on 610, and you, you, you just know the difficulty or the tricky nature of balancing with, with, the, with the Texans or, for me, with the Vikings. When it's bad, man, it's bad. And you're not going to embarrass people, and you're not going to call out for people to be fired and, you know, be that guy. But if it's bad, man, you tell it like it is when it's bad. And when it's good, you're there for that, too. So it's uh, more of a tricky balance what you do than you probably get credit for so i want to give it to you now thank you very much just stick to the facts right that's all you gotta do oh yeah the facts are the facts thanks a lot paul yes sir there's our buddy paul allen voice of the vikings thanks so much for being with us and thanks to jeff joniak and thanks to john clayton for being on the show this will all be podcast on the texans app shortly and we'll be back tomorrow night a little visit from the general but some other guests as well greg cosell of nfl films among them so We invite you to join us tomorrow. And go to the Texans app. Go to HoustonTexans.com for all the coverage of the Combine. Thanks so much for being a part of the show tonight. Have a great evening, and go Texans!